0: Good morning. Um, thank you for joining me. If you would, please turn over to the uh, book of Genesis. We're going to be in um, the 39th chapter. So we're going to be in Genesis 39 this week. Get that pulled up. There we go. Now, before we start reading, because um, this account will probably probably be fairly familiar to uh, many of you Um, let's get a little bit of context here previously in chapter 37 we read about um, Joseph the son of Jacob um, and his you know the gift of his prophetic dreams that he's been given Uh, we learn that Joseph was loved more than his other brothers and that his father demonstrated this by giving him the uh, famous or infamous however you want to look at it, coat of many colors but when his brothers saw this they hated him for it so then joseph began having these prophetic dreams in which everyone would bow down to him which led to an even deeper level of hatred for him amongst his brothers you know they hated him so much that they even faked his death and sold him into slavery and he was sold to Potiphar, which is an officer of Pharaoh, um, he was the captain of the guard. So this brings us up to Genesis 39. So um, already Joseph's life has been filled with quite a bit of turmoil. Um, so uh, let, let's let's go ahead and get into the scriptures. I think uh, I'll be reading out of the ESV this week. Let's start with verses one For Joseph, uh, excuse me, so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So let's just pause there for a second. Um, could you imagine if this was a biblical account of your life? Um, you know, wouldn't it be great to read a biblical account, um, even of Joseph? And this is where the story ended, right? Joseph, he went through, he had difficulty in his life. Um, and he found favor with God. And because of that, he found favor with man. And now Potiphar has put him over as overseer of everything that he has so joseph was his most trusted not just servant i mean he was his servant but servants were treated differently than we perceive today you know this um this was his right hand man uh, right hand man basically excuse me um overcoming sickness um but uh, anyway, so so Joseph has been really, really lifted up high. Excuse me. But wouldn't it be great if, if we read, you know, the Lord blessed Joseph and Joseph found favor in God's eyes. And, um, you know, he did what was right in the Lord's eyes and he was blessed until the day that he died, the end. That would be great, right? But it never does. Um, it it doesn't because these aren't fairy tales, right? We, we like to think, we would like to think that that would be the case, but these aren't fa- fairy tales. These are true historical accounts of real people. And it rarely, if ever, happens like that in real life. Um, now, I've recently been listening to one of the most popular authors of fantasy fiction. His name is Brandon Sanderson. And he was talking about a method that he likes to use when um, making sure that he has a compelling story he says the method is called yes but and no and so in this method he'll take the character that he's come up with this main character he knows that he wants him to do something to accomplish something right so he writes it all out he writes the little story with it short shortened version and then he asks himself the question did that work right was was the character able to accomplish his goal and he will always answer those questions with either yes but or no and so meaning yes he was able to accomplish this thing but along the way he had to blah 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 right Uh, he had to overcome these obstacles or uh no he was not able to accomplish his goals and this is what happened so what i mean is in order to have a compelling story his character can't just accomplish his goal without problems right that would be a boring story and uh, no one wants to see uh see a, a, a story played out that way i mean even the most basic stories like cinderella there's turmoil there there's conflict which makes the story compelling so you know yes he did complete his mission but along the way he encountered encountered tons of adversity or maybe he didn't accomplish his intended goal but instead so no he didn't and this happened meaning maybe something much greater happened and he used the example he said uh, one of the best examples of someone using this method was George Lucas in the first Star Wars when Luke's original goal was to deliver the plans of the Death Star to Alderaan so him and his group of group of bandits or whatever with obi-wan kenobi and all these old people whatever this 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 ungangly group go to alderaan but what happens the planet's destroyed and because the planet's destroyed they obviously can't accomplish that goal but what happens at the end of the movie so he doesn't accomplish that goal and instead he's able to overthrow the empire to destroy the death star right that's what makes a compelling story now you might be thinking, okay, why is any of this relevant? Because the, this author is a Christian, and he attributes all of his compelling stories, which is it's a vast category, to the story and the structure of Joseph. He said he looks at the story; he had looked at the story of Joseph to begin with, and saw that his adversity after adversity, and him overcoming these things, obviously not with God's help, but because of God. And this is exactly what we see that happens uh, with Joseph and with uh, the characters in um, Brandon's books. So could you imagine reading the account of Joseph and ending at verse 5? Now, happy ending, sure. But God wants all men everywhere to know that that it was he that conquered the circumstances that it was he that directed these men's footsteps and that it is he that deserves all the glory you know this is the, this is why i mean think of the tower of babel right we tend to want to lift ourselves up so sometimes god will put men into compromising and dire situations in order to bring them out of a a seemingly impossible fate in order to glorify himself. Excuse me. So, you know, everything was going bad for Joseph. Now things are looking up, right? Everything's going great for him. So this is verse five. So clearly we're about to see uh, some, some adversity. So let's look at verse six. It says, So he, being Potiphar, left all that he had in joseph's charge and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate so joseph is not just doing a great job i mean potiphar doesn't have to worry about anything because of joseph so joseph is now invaluable to him right priceless and it says now joseph was handsome in form and appearance that's kind of weird to put that there right talking about joseph he's a he's going through this adversity and god's bringing him out of it god's blessing him he's, everything's going well and it talks about how well he's taking care of potiphar and then now joseph was handsome in form and appearance hmm. that can only mean one thing uh-oh right <laughs> that can't be good but at the same time um joseph must have really been a handsome guy if the holy scriptures commented on his appearance now ladies i bet joseph looked you know his body was probably sculpted he looked probably like the cover of all these romance novels um you know jason momoa doesn't have anything on joseph (laughs) you know so unfortunately the few times that the bible elaborates ordinarily elaborates on a person's good looks It's normally not a very good sign of things to come. Um, One other example would be Bathsheba. Um, I just thought that was interesting. Um, Verse 7. It says, And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. I don't think that needs explanation. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay, here we have Joseph, the righteous man, answering righteously. Right now, let me pose a question. Do you think that Joseph had no problem refusing her? Now, keep in mind, this is Potiphar's wife. So this is a man of great power and authority. So I would imagine um, if you look back at the, um, some, some of the historical um, context and how wives were chosen and things like that, especially for men of authority. I would be, I would imagine that Potiphar probably could have chosen whomever he wanted that he had charge over to marry. Now, why is that of importance? Because do you think that Potiphar would have chosen an unattractive woman? Uh, so what I'm saying is, I'm sure that Potiphar's wife was quite handsome herself um so we see she is tempted and she goes and tempts right she tempts joseph so my point is is i'm sure joseph was tempted i'm sure that he had an inward struggle but his love for potiphar and more importantly, his love for righteousness was stronger than his love for his fleshly desires. So he refused her, right? And then he's even almost trying to convince her, look, I, he he is not greater than I. Meaning he is not, he has not um, put me down. He has not uh, mistreated me. Um, he is made me an equal with him in all things except for you because you're his wife right as as if he even had to say that but he's trying to emphasize to her that it's unlawful and that I, I couldn't do that to my master um, and probably friend at the time excuse me uh, so let's look at verse 10 it says and as she spoke to Joseph day after day he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. So she was persistent, right? She didn't listen to his first refusal. She wouldn't have that. And unfortunately for Joseph, he couldn't really escape the situation. He was the steward over Potiphar's everything, over all of his possessions. And at this time, he would have even, in in a small way, been a steward over her, Right? To make sure that she was doing the things that she was supposed to. And not doing the things that she wasn't supposed to. So Joseph is now being tempted daily. But he never succumbed to those temptations. So he kept refusing her and kept refusing her. And um, and let's see what happens. Verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the house was there in the house. Uh oh, I want to pause there. Let's read that verse again, verse eleven. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house. Okay, there's a comma there, but I want to pause for just just a second because we are now being painted a picture here of of some pretty um dire circumstances, right? Um, the opportunity of sin is paramount now now what i mean by that is uh, when jordan and i were dating one of the very few rules that we were given is to make sure that we didn't have alone time right now that for some people when i when i've mentioned this before you know especially worldly people they're like what um but it was for our sake right what i mean by that is um we were we Uh, rightfully so, that alone time always equals trouble. Uh, It was emphasized to us that the only successful way we would avoid doing anything impure is that if we were never given or never gave ourselves the opportunity to do it, right? So if you don't give yourself the opportunity, then obviously it can never happen. So what I mean by that is, it's like it's like uh someone applying for a job as an aerospace engineer that it never has never spent a day in college. You you are disqualifying yourself from the opportunity. You'll never have the opportunity to do that that thing because you you aren't encouraging an environment for that, right? In a similar sense here. So I believe that Joseph was not just wise, is probably pretty cunning so he probably knew that it was a bad idea for him and Potiphar's wife to ever be left alone so it says um, in verse 11 uh, when he went to the house to do his work that none of the men of the house were there it doesn't tell us this explicitly but it, it would not be hard for me to believe that perhaps she sent them away on some task meaning she had probably been planning this so, again, why, why, why does this matter? Is what, what I mean is that, let's say you work in an office setting with an attractive person of the opposite sex. Now, you might never think that you would be in a compromising position with that individual. But one way to make sure that you won't be is if you never give yourself the opportunity to be in that position. Right? L- look at Joseph. So I'm sure he was diligent to not be alone with her, with Potiphar's wife, to even avoid the temptation. But unfortunately for Joseph, even after doing everything that was within his capabilities to avoid that situation, he was still caught there. Um, You know, you'll hear numerous cases of infidelity uh, a lot of times in the workplace because you know, so, oh, it started off as just a friendship, and then slowly, you know, it turned into oh, well, we we would go to lunch together and stuff, or you know, uh, well, it went from that to then, you know, we start spending more time together, and 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 we're talking about our lives and talking about problems that we have at home, and then I was able to confide in this person, and then sooner or later it leads to inf- infidelity. Um, you are not immune to this, right? If, if you don't work in an office with someone of the same sex the, the, the principle still here still applies um, probably to some of the women that I work with they probably don't think that I'm an overly uh, nice person now I don't mean that I'm, I'm outwardly rude to them but I make sure I make sure that, uh, that that I'm never in a compromising situation that it's never even a thought in someone else's mind that that would be a thought in my mind um and it's because i understand that i'm not immune to this and and no one is right excuse me so uh let's read verses 11 and 12 it says uh let's read them together but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house she caught him by his garment saying lie with me but he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house okay now I don't think we have to talk to speak too in depth here if you're an adult about what that means um but essentially especially in Egypt um they were pretty sparsely uh clad (laughs) uh trying to be diplomatic here so Um, most likely Joseph would have been clothed only by this garment around his waist Um, so she grabs him by this garment to where he cannot escape And, and it is no longer a suggestion but a command from her and it says he left his garment in her hand and fled this man, this is a man who is truly trying to flee from sin. Now, many of us know the verse that says, "If you resist the devil, he will flee from you." But what if you can't resist him? Right? That's for those who can, who uh, who are spiritually mature enough to and to recognize these attacks for what they are. But what if? You actually knew how weak you were. See, the truth is is that I doubt that very many of us are as conscious and diligent to cling to righteousness as Joseph was. But even he knew that he could fall. So after he had resisted and resisted daily, let's not forget that, that he did the only thing left to do to avoid sin, he fled. Right, He fled. He did the only thing. There was only one thing left for him to do to escape this situation. It was to run. Now, I believe the scriptures are true when it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. The problem is that we don't always resist him. And even worse, we sometimes welcome those temptations. And even more perverse is that sometimes we even seek them out. So let's see what happens next. Um, you know, Shirley Potiphar's wife is going to have to pay for her lawlessness. Excuse me. We're going to read through verses 13 through 19. It says, and as, and as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him he said this is the way your servant has treated me um, his anger was kindled or saying this is the way your servant has treated me so what has happened here this is very reminiscent of Adam and Eve actually um, right Some she's trying to cast the blame so knowing now that there, I mean, obviously her anger is aroused. Um, no pun intended. Uh, obviously her, she's very angry that she's been refused because she probably. I would dare say this isn't the first proposal that she's made to uh, one of Potiphar's servants, and this very well could be the reason why Potiphar was looking for a new servant. Uh, we don't know that, but um, it's very possible um so so what what happened here okay she looks down realizes she's still got his piece piece of clothing in her hand I know what I can do I can claim that he forced himself on me and now not only is it not my fault but it's actually your fault Potiphar for bringing him into this house right now a few years ago there was this campaign going around called Believe Women And essentially, what this group expected of everyone in society is for everyone to just believe uh, every accusation that came from a woman as irrefutable truth, right? Every woman that said that that she had been uh, sexually assaulted in any way, in any capacity, that it was automatically true. Now, women are just as capable of committing heinous sins as men And we see here a woman who has allowed that seed of sin to be planted. Then she's watered and cultivated it to the point to where it is bearing the fruit of a life of sin. Now, before I get uh, crucified here, does that mean that some evil people weren't exposed? And that more victims felt uh, confident and comfortable enough to come forward and accuse Uh, a predator absolutely not uh those things did happen in fact um that happened quite a bit um in hollywood predominantly and and uh uh even in politics in america here so i'm not saying that it was necessarily um bad to encourage that this group of women to to come forward But to just for your slogan to be believe women, I find that kind of a hard pill to swallow Um, because what if I came out with a campaign that said believe men, right? Um, Or believe white people or believe whoever, whatever demographic you fall into. Um, The point is, is that a woman can accuse someone falsely just as easily as a man can commit some horrible act and that happened right that happened and not only did that happen but it was there was evidence that showed that some of these women just lied and nothing happened to that to the woman that made these false accusations but the people that they accused wrongly their lives are still ruined you know, it's one of the dangers that I've seen um, pursuing a, a career in education as a man. Uh, it's one of the things I've had to take into consideration is, you know, one wrong accusation can can ruin my career and my life. So I have to make sure that I'm never in uh, a situation to where that could even be a possibility. Um, I have to make sure that I uh, do not even... In- that I I avoid those circumstances at all cost Um, so my point is this is that the scriptures have already spoken on this on this very thing about believing women because we have a woman here that's lying about a man about this very thing which proves the point that there's nothing new under the sun excuse me Verse 20, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. You know, you would think, or we would like to think that Potiphar would have enough wisdom to question Joseph or to listen to him in any way. You know, and I've even, I was talking to somebody about this uh, earlier this week, This this account, and they are like you know you would think that Potiphar would not only listen to joseph but when joseph told him he didn't do that that he would believe him and i said okay what if it was your wife and he kind of paused and he's like yeah i guess okay right it's it may it changes things um so things aren't looking good for for joseph they're not looking too promising right um and that that phrase even perplexes me uh you know what is promising for joseph and for us what what is promised um, is it happiness is it health is it is it wealth is it favor with man or is it trials and persecution so th- let's look at the rest of this chapter excuse me uh verses 21 through 23 the end of joseph's story which is quite a bit different from verse five but if this was the end and he were to die in prison but he died while being the object of god's favor then he would have died gloriously then this would still be uh, a fairy tale ending for a christian we know of many who have died under those circumstances um you know practically all of jesus's original disciples died in a similar way being persecuted uh, because of their faith in in god and they found favor with god but they still died so so what am i getting at today you know um i had somebody ask me that so, okay well what, what does that mean for me well when we look at the account of joseph this is a man who devoted his entire life to righteousness and the, the world still hated him for it, right? um they still arrested him, they still sentenced him to death. So we have Joseph here who is an image of the coming Christ because Christ came in the form of a man, and it wasn't merely that he was righteous, and then they hated him, but it was because he was righteous. That they hated him. And it is because he is righteous today. That the world still hates him. It is because of his righteousness. It is because. His righteousness exposes. Our unrighteousness. That we. we Intentionally. um, And inherently. Are enemies of his. It was because of God's righteousness. Of Jesus Christ's righteousness. That they falsely accused him. And arrested him. It was because of his righteousness that they put him to death. So when we do not take sin as seriously as Joseph did, we make ourselves those people who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. So praise God for his endless mercies, that even when we nail him to the cross with our sin, and we are so irreverent that we would cast lots for his garments that he would cry out father forgive them for they know not what they do you know praise god that he is long suffering with me where for over 20 years he did not pay me the wages that i earned which is death and instead he bore my sin on that cross so that i might be reconciled back to him now, out of obedience and reverence to him, I am to treat sin appropriately, which is exactly what Joseph did. Um, we had a guest speaker uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and a friend of mine asked me what, what I thought of him, and I said I would sum him up in two words. He was accurately zealous. Uh, this is a young man that was very zealous for the word and for God's righteousness, and you know there's a couple I looked around a couple people were like man he's you know he's getting into it but he was accurately zealous that's how we ought to be Um, you know Joseph didn't give himself the opportunity for sin because he treated sin appropriately and accurately it's how we ought to see sin yet it still presented itself to him anyway you know but Joseph was wise enough to know that if given enough opportunity, he would succumb to temptation. And we will too. If we give ourselves enough opportunity, we will succumb to sin every single time. You know, um, if you can think back at a particular time, uh, it probably started with, ah, oh, this is okay. You know, th- there won't be any harm from this but there always is or now i can you know i can i can deal with that it's not that big of a deal but it is a big deal and you can't deal with it um so we have to behave in a similar way as joseph when we are tempted and we 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 refuse the temptation constantly and consistently we must do that and i'm sure he was always on his guard with her watching for for another time that that temptation would present itself and he was ready to refuse her because it was at the forefront of his mind and yet that opportunity still presented itself so knowing that he would succumb to this temptation he did the only thing that he could to restrain himself right is he fled he ran He ran away from the situation. He abandoned everything that he had. Wealth, authority, um, prestige. He abandoned all of this and cast it all away because he recognized sin and understood where it would lead. Now, if we are to be true followers of Jesus Christ, we are to deal with sin the same way. We must recognize it for what it truly is. It is a trap laid by the enemy to destroy our lives, our peace, and our souls. And we must recognize that we can't even flirt with sin. We can't give it an opportunity. We can't even be in its presence because then we will fall. So if we hold fast to these truths, to to this truth, we hold fast to this our doctrine which is the holy word of god then we too can find favor with god the god of the universe regardless of where you are now what does that favor look like it may end up you may end up in prison because of it you may end up ostracized because of it you may you may live a uh, worldly good life you know you may have all those things but you may not but that's not what matters what matters is your righteousness and not the righteousness that you've gained or earned somehow but the righteousness that you have inherited through believing and trusting in jesus christ alone let's pray heavenly father thank you for this week thank you for this this beautiful day that you've given us but I thank you for your word and your truth Father go with us watch over us help us to recognize sin for what it is and help us to treat it accurately Father help us to flee from it at all costs so that we can seek after you and your righteousness and let us hunger for your word Like we do our our food, Father. We, we, We can't even stand to miss a meal. But give us that same hunger, if not more so, for your truth. We love you and we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.